So the answer is the next three hours I will be speaking. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you. Wow. Hey, I'll just end on a high. Thanks, guys. This has been a good night. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> Alan, is so, Alan is so good at getting people hyped. Uh, okay, my team needs to take a note of this. Anytime I come up to speak, we need to have Alan do offering and announcements beforehand because... <laughs> I'm already set up for a win. This is amazing. Before, uh, before we get started tonight, I want to do uh, a couple things. First of all, <clears throat> is start my iPad and turn it on to no sleep mode. Second of all, is I, I have two people that I want to, uh, to recognize tonight. And display 15 minutes to never. <laughs> now I can preach forever. We'll go until the iPad dies. <clears throat> it's at 36%, don't worry, it's not that long. <laughs> Solid two and a half hours. So two people that I want to really kind of point out tonight, and uh, the first one, everyone in here, I'm sure, unless you're brand new, um, knows, and, and this is someone who recognizes other people all the time uh, and, and rarely ever gets recognized. Uh, apart from Emily, my wife, this is probably one of my absolute closest, closest friends uh, and someone I, I absolutely love with all my heart. He's right here in the back, and it's Pastor Jake Blaukamp. He is the pastor of Access. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't send it back to me, you. <laughs> I've known... I've known Jake for a while, but Jake has been pastoring Access now for, uh, for pretty much three years, and, uh, and time has flown, and I, I've, I've shared some things like this with <laughs> my discipleship group this week, and I started crying, and I'm going to try not to cry, because um, I'm going to say much of the same thing of, of, I really want you guys to know how blessed we are to have a leader to have a pastor like Jake. Him and Abby pray over you guys every single week, every single day. They're completely sold out to you guys. And you guys are, are I'm sure, one of the first things that, that cross their minds apart from Christ and each other. And, uh, and we are just so, so honored to, uh, to have Jake and Abby as pastors of, of this ministry and just leading us so, so well. So thank you, buddy. I love you. And then Nathaniel, if you could stand up real quick. So you guys may recognize Nathaniel from things such as worship five minutes ago. He's on our worship team and uh, has done an amazing job. This is his last week worshiping on our team. Uh, <laughs> we are sad to see him go, but we're, we're excited to, uh, to see him just step into um, just amazing things in the, the ministry that he's moving into. Uh, one of the things I want to specifically say, and this, is, this may sound a little interesting, but Nathaniel's actually, we, we shared a message Months and months and months back, maybe about a year and a half ago now, um, maybe only a year ago, I don't know, something, if you go back on our YouTube channel, you'll, you'll find, it's called the Rooted Roots Series, and, uh, 
And one of the things that, that we really, really started just implementing into this culture is, re- or is access is not church. This is like, we're doing church together, but this is not church. This is a young adults ministry of Resurrection Life Church. You can sit down, yeah, your feet are going to get tired. Uh, and, and one of the healthy, healthiest things you could do is, is stop jumping from ministry to ministry to ministry and spreading yourself across a couple different churches. Uh, and it's something that, that I just want to recognize because it's an extremely healthy thing. Although we love Nathaniel and we love him being on the team and he's blessed us so, so much. It is so healthy for him to step away and to plug into the church that he's at. So thank you. We love you. We send you off with blessings and, and you are always welcome here. You will always be family, 100%. He's not going, I mean... He's, he's got friends here, you know. It's not like he's disconnecting. Um, but it is one of those things to where I would even say it this way. If, if some of you guys are in here and your church has a, a young adult ministry, but uh, you go there on Sunday and you come here on Thursday, uh, it would be so healthy for you to plug into your church too. It's so powerful to be known someplace to be submitted to leadership someplace and to have a, a singular body of authority and, and, and structure of authority to, to help guide us. So even if, even if this ministry cut to, to half our size next week because you guys are like, you know what, I should plug into my Sunday morning church, I think it would actually be one of the healthiest, one of the strongest, and, and probably one of the most impactful things to, to not just Res Life, but Grand Rapids as a whole. Unity is so, so huge. Psalms 133 tells us that God's blessing comes down on those who are unified. And being, at, being spread out, we think our generation, sorry I didn't mean to go off on this, but our generation thinks that, that unity among churches is us going to so many different churches, but unity among churches is us plugged in, rooted into a body of believers that we could submit to and that can know us and that we can know them and then we're surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Even if that's the only thing that you get from tonight, uh, it's, it's worth the price of admission, which is free. It is for freedom, or yeah, for freedom that Christ set us free. And that's why this ministry is free. <laughs> I got an amen on that. I was just being sarcastic, but yeah. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so, We've been in a, a series, Pastor Jake has talked the last two weeks about uh, powerful people. And before I go into the, the message that I have prepared for tonight, I, I want to pause because uh, there's a lot of different conversations around this particular topic that I think will really set us up well today for this message and, and something that I really want to bring from different, uh, I, I don't know, Holy Spirit is moving through this particular subject matter because it's a, a conversation that I'm having, having in all sorts of different areas of the church, of different conversations outside the church, and it's, it's this idea of, of culture. Jake and I were talking about it this afternoon too, and, and, and Jake was even saying like, you know the beautiful thing about these messages is we could think that we're going to church just to learn and, and, and be fed, but that's not what these messages are for, right? At, at Res here, we, we have what we call the heart for the kingdom. 
And there's a, a kingdom culture that we see all throughout Scripture to where God's kingdom has a particular culture that we are trying to establish and lay the groundwork for and give you guys a picture of what this culture looks like. And if we establish this culture well enough, anybody that comes into the culture that's operating outside the norm of the culture will get confronted in a healthy way. Does this make sense? I talk about it with our discipleship group quite a bit to where if I took, and I did take French in high school, um, but the, the only thing that I remember from French is, oh, oui, oui. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure I didn't even learn that in class. I'm pretty sure I learned that from like Pepe Le Pew or something like that. And, and if, I, if I move forward having an understanding of French as, oh, oui, oui, and, and, and I operate within a, how many of you guys know French? So only, yeah, perfect. So I can fool all of you guys by moving forward and going, ho, oh, oh, wee, wee, ah, uh, Perrier. It's the water I drink. I'm pretty sure it's French. Sounds French. You guys don't know because you don't know French. Ha, <laughs> uh, lay this. <laughs> I, can, I can carry that on to a certain extent until I actually travel over to the culture of France. In the moment I walk in with ho oh, oh, oui, oui into France, they're going to look at me, cock their head, and probably smack me upside the face. I don't know. <laughs> French people seem really nice. <laughs> we love French people. If you're French, we love you. Oh. <laughs> but there's, there's something to when culture is established in something that thinks that they're operating within the, the realm, in the means, in the rules, and the guidelines of that culture, comes into that culture, they will learn very quickly and become very uncomfortable within the culture because they're realizing, wait a second, the thing that I thought was the culture isn't actually the culture, and now the culture's confronting me because this isn't going to fly. Does this make sense? So the same thing with these messages. We can, we can look at these messages and these series and the cultural expressions that we're continuously walking through, and we can go, oh, these are really good learnings, and we can write them down in our journals, and I encourage you to take notes tonight. This is a really good message to take notes on. But what we're trying to do and what, we're, we're, what is happening, and you will see over and over and over again, is is this isn't just a message. This is actually, we're, we're giving you verbiage for what the culture is here. And especially with this message today, we're going to talk about confronting conversations. We talk about powerful people. We talk about being, being good within relationship, being good within conversation. In order to be good within conversation, yes, there's the great stuff, but oftentimes where conversation falls short is within the, the conflict, in the confront, confrontation of relationship. It's easy for us to be at our best when things are going well, when we're agreeing with people, when people have the same thought process that we do. But as soon as we come into a conflict, that's when we actually see what's on the inside. And, and if, we, if we don't, if we aren't a powerful person bringing our inside powerfully out and handing good information over to the other person, we're going to talk about all this tonight, then, then the way that we handle something 
if we don't handle it as a powerful person, it's going to be very much confronted, at least within the confines of this place. And this is a kingdom culture. And this is good, healthy confrontation. We can hear the word confrontation. And how many of you guys, when you hear confronting or a confronting conversation, you could almost start to think about the conversation that you avoided today, and you start to shrivel up and, and go, I, no, 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 I don't, I don't. It goes back to the, the shakiness, right? It's a beautiful, beautiful representation. We get shaky when we're around powerful people and, and we ourselves don't know what to do within that situation. It's a beautiful thing. Thanks for bringing that up. You guys good? Does this make sense? So I'm, I'm just challenging you right at the beginning here to where I want you to look at this in a different light of this is a cultural expression that we're handing and that we're giving you to give you words to what you're going to see when you're here at Res Life and here at Access Res Life, which is not a church in of itself. Is it? Anyway. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. And it's not a joke. It's not a church in and of itself. Amen. Heavenly Father, God. Just thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for the words that you've, you've given me and, and just the powerful nature that you've walked out. Jesus, you are the most powerful person. So Christ, we look at you. Holy Spirit, we look at you. God the Father, we look at you to be our model to be a representation of what it looks like to move forward as powerful, free people. Tiffany said it earlier, hurt people hurt people, but free people free people. So Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, so we can be powerful people, not hurting people, but encouraging, uplifting, edifying, and freeing other powerful people. God, we love you, we praise you, and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I said it a minute ago, but I, I honestly, it, I, I would not be offended if you pulled out your phone if you don't have a notebook and started taking notes on this. We're going to walk through quite a bit, but um, this, is a, this is a message, this is actually more of a teaching that um, if you review back on this, couple different times, you'll, you'll start to think in a new way, um, because it's, it's very much structured to give us a, a new way of thinking, but oftentimes it's something that you really have to hear a couple times, or have to walk through, or have to see what it looks like, so the next time you're coming up on a, a confronting conversation, you could actually draw back on the notes from tonight and go, oh, yeah, okay, I want to understand first, and all these different things that we're going to talk through. Pastor Jake talked over the last couple of weeks of, you know, the first week he said, uh, we, we want to be people that when someone sins against us, it, it doesn't produce sin in us, right? People that, that can walk forward and, and when people attack us, he was given the, the examples that Christ lays out to where somebody smacks you to turn the other cheek to him and when somebody asks you for their shirt, you give them your jacket too, you know? So this type of thing. So if somebody sins against us, it's not going to produce sin in us. And the way that we respond is different than the way we would have reacted, right? 
When somebody does something against me and grieves me, there's two ways of responding. One way of responding, one way of reacting. Reacting is I take what they just did and I try to retaliate. Responding is I take what they just did and I process and I assess. I assess what's going on on the inside of me so that way I can have a better conversation and better know how to approach the situation, right? If you, if you missed that message, it's up on our YouTube channel. You could go back and watch it. Last week, last week, Jake talked about, if you remember, that he drew up a bunch of concentric circles over here on the whiteboard and said, there's, there's different levels of connection. There's different levels of relationship. And if we don't understand that there's a tier, a hierarchy, a, a difference between this level of relationship and the one that's out here, then we're going to try and fit everyone out here into this tier. Or, or, or some of these tiers. But when we actually understand where, where somebody is in our life, but also where we are in somebody else's life, when we understand that, it gives us better information to be able to move forward in building connection within that relationship. Does that make sense? Again, that's up on, on YouTube, so if you guys need to, to see that, you can go check that out. So today I want to talk about powerful people are powerful at relationships. And if we're going to be powerful at relationships, it also means that we have to be powerful at communication. What is a relationship? A relationship is a string of levels of communication within a, a timeline, right? So in my relationship with Jake, it wouldn't be a relationship if there was no communication. So if I'm going to better our relationship, my wife, if I'm going to better our relationship, then it means that I need to better my what? communication, to help her understand me, to have me help her, to help me understand her, if they make sense. So two things we're going to start off with for your notes. The goal of relationship is connection. And the goal of communication, so relationship, communication, powerful people are powerful at relationships and also at communication. So the goal of relationship is connection. Say connection. connection. The goal of communication is understanding. Say understanding. understanding. Goal of relationship is what? Connection. connection. Goal of relationship is what? Connection. connection. I fooled a couple of you guys. <laughs> goal of communication is what? Understanding. understanding. And, and this is honestly not different than what we talked about. That's why I just talked about what Pastor Jake talked about the last two weeks. Is the first week he talked about the, the whole point of understanding and actually sitting there and, and figuring out what are we going to do when somebody does something to us. Last week he talked about connection and, and levels of connection. So these are the two, like some of the biggest, biggest things for a powerful person to understand is in order to be better at relationship, you need to be better at communication. And in order to be better at communication, we need to be better at understanding. And understanding looks like this. If, if I have a, a conversation with Kyle, there's, there's different things that I could do in this conversation. If Kyle brings me information, I could try and jump in and try and uh, make him think the way that I'm thinking right? Have you ever had that happen? Yes. How does that make you feel? Not that 
Which when you think about, uh, you know, a lot of Christians think evangelism is running in, trying to get someone to think the way that we do. How effective was that, you said? <laughs> Very effective. Trying to run in and just deliver information. We, we do that in conversations. If you think about the last conflict that you had, it probably got to a point, unless you're a powerful person, probably got to a point to where one person was barking at the other person, the other person was barking at the other person, and, and by the end of it, did you feel more connected? By the laughs, I'm assuming no. So you didn't feel connected. Did you feel understood? Did you take a second to understand them? And it's so easy to get in this crazy cycle of, of communication to where my communication is, is not based off of connection. It's based off of you thinking and me trying to assimilate you into the way that I think. You guys are so silent. Amen? <laughs> is this making sense? Crowd participation is very, very much welcomed. <laughs> Perfect. Processing, I know. This is a, it's a heavy, heavy message. <laughs> Thank you. But... A powerful person starts with understanding. Jake talked about it last week. Starts with understanding. First, I'm going to start with trying to understand you. I'll go back to Kyle as an inst for instance. Is when, when Kyle and I have a conversation, my first standpoint is one love, right? Because if I, don't, if I don't try to understand through the lens of love, then my understanding is going to get really caught up into my judgments, right? So if I, if I approach Kyle with love, and I go, okay, before I even try to have Kyle understand me, Kyle, can you, can you say that in some different words? I'm having a hard time understanding you. Can you rephrase that for me real quick? And he rephrases it. And I take a second to understand, right? The goal of communication is understanding. And then after I, after I take a moment to understand where he's coming from, then I can take a moment to process and hand back good information for myself and go, you know, I, thank you for helping me understand. I just want you to, to be able to understand where I'm coming from. And then I offer good information. One of the biggest things that I, I say with our discipleship students and I say with people that I do ministry or, or even just life with is I'm about to give you really good information right now. And really good information before I could ever even help Kyle understand what's going on inside of me. What do I need to do? I need to pause and understand what's actually going on inside of me, right? So before I could even present anything from my inner reality, we will say, does that make sense? From my emotional, my, my maybe fearfulness. How many of you guys... How many of you guys have heard that your emotions will lead you astray? How many of you guys have heard that your emotions are, are a bad thing? And that, how many of you guys try to suppress your emotions and try and push them down when they start to surface? A powerful person knows that emotions are a very powerful thing. God created us to be very emotional individuals. 
But I'll say this. Our emotions make for a wonderful, wonderful check engine light. They make for a terrible engine. Our emotions make for a wonderful check engine light. When I pause for a second and I go, oh, okay, and, and, and I'll do this in conversations. I'll go, can I, can I get a moment? This is actually something that, that really became a powerful thing within Emily and my relationship is, is realizing that when I, when I would just react, once again, responding is understanding what's going on in the inside and offering really good information and then taking a moment to understand. That's responding. But what reacting is going, I'm going to take this moment and allow my emotions to drive me into the wall. <laughs> it's really what ends up happening, right? So at the beginning of our marriage, and even, you know, up until recently, it was very, very much about like, in, in those times where I just didn't handle conversations well, it was in the moments where I allowed the motions to drive the car of my life, and it would drive it right into the wall. But when I, when I learned to just go, you know what I need? I need a moment to really just pray about this, to really just get some time, and I could actually take these things to the Lord and go, God, will you help me understand this mess that's inside of me? Because once I could put words to what's actually going on inside of me, now I have, going back to Kyle, now I have really good information to be able to offer to Kyle. And go, you know, Kyle, when, when, when you did that thing the other day, uh, I'm not saying that this is, this is what you're trying to do, but actually, I, I kind of felt fearful, you know? And again, I, I want to hear from your standpoint. I want to understand, you know, what, that, what you were trying to accomplish with that. But I, I do want you to know that even right now presenting this to you, I'm a little nervous. And starting to put words to emotions, Kyle has really good information, doesn't he? And when, when Kyle is able to take that and go, oh my word, if I just bring to Kyle, hey, you did this the other day and you tried to hurt me and, and it, it hurt and you, you know, now I'm attacking him, I'm reacting and I'm judging his heart going, you tried to hurt me versus going, you probably didn't try to hurt me. Going back to Jake's message last week, assume the be- or maybe two weeks ago, assume the best, right? You probably didn't try to hurt me, but this is how I felt. And now he has, now he has the information to be able to go, oh my word, Nick, I, I, did not, I did not mean to do that at all. I am so sorry. This is actually what I was trying to do in that moment. Oh, wow. How, how different is that from some of the conversations that you had this week? So I'm going to openly and honestly, talking about understanding, tell you who I am, what I think, feel, value, love, honor, hate, fear, desire, hope for, believe in, and am committed to. And if I can offer you these things and can help in building a safe place for you to share your things with me, then we can work to know each other better and how we can relate and connect better, right? 
So in order to be powerful in relationship, we need to be powerful in communication. In order to be powerful in communication, we need to be powerful in understanding. You guys are getting this. You guys are powerful people. Oh my goodness. I love powerful people. I love unpowerful people too. I just don't like being around them. <laughs> the goal of relationship is connection. The goal of communication is understanding. Here's a big point too, is, is powerful people are not in control of other people. They're in control of themselves. The thing with the wounded heart, right? The opposite of the powerful person is the wounded heart. Hurt people hurt people. And in the wounded heart, and in the heart that hasn't made sense of what's going on on the inside of me, hasn't placed words and verbiage and understanding to the things that are inside of me, the wounded heart goes in and says, I'm wounded. This is going to sound familiar for any of you guys who have been around for a while and have heard my other messages. There's a, a message that you could go find on our YouTube channel called Blame and Control, and it's so, so powerful. This is an abridged version of that. The wounded heart says, I'm hurting. What you're doing is hurting me, so I need to control you. I need to take my power over you and make you stop doing that thing so then I won't hurt anymore. But that's not powerful at all. That's a wrong and a misused, placed, you know, ideal of what power is. Power is actually me going, I don't need to have power over you. Sorry, Kyle, I hope you don't mind. He's playing Jesus in the production, so he has to be very graceful. And <laughs> if you guys go see the Easter production. Yes, shout out to our boy Kyle. <laughs> so... If I don't need to be powerful over you and I take power for, over me, what actually happens is what, what starts to become a culture of our life, it's not just a culture of access or of res life, this becomes the culture of who I am, the culture of Nick. And when I walk forward going, I refuse to take power over you, my refusing to take power over Kyle actually positions him in a place to where he has to take power over himself. Because I'm not going to allow you to take power over me. I already have the power over me. I understand what's going on in here. So when you're operating in your mess and you're trying to offer your mess to me, I don't need to take your mess. I'm making sense of my own mess. I'm going to give you really good information. This make sense? Starting to see the pieces come together. So I don't need you to think or act in the same way as I do in order for me to be okay. I don't need you to take on my belief structure for you to be okay. Or for me to be okay. This is going, powerful people are not intimidated by somebody else thinking in a different way. I love, love, love watching conversations. Even if it's... even if it, even if neither of the, the sides of the conversation is anyone that's a Christian, it could be two completely opposing or viewpoints than myself, but I absolutely love watching conversations that are done in healthy ways. It's where the two people could walk away thinking still differently, 
but being more connected with each other. The goal of relationship is not for you to think the same way as me. The goal of relationship is connection. And I could still connect with you even if we think in a different way. Even if you're still going to go forward and do the things that you were doing a second ago that hurt me, my connection to you might be different. If you're going to make the choice to hurt me, it might move you to an outside circle. It doesn't mean that there's no consequences, but at the same time, I'm not going to refuse to connect with you. Right? Connection may look like me standing over here and going, hey, when you do that thing, it's very prickly to me. And, and, and I, I actually got really hurt by that. And I'm actually very fearful. And, and I, at this point, I don't necessarily know that I really feel trust within our relationship. That's really good information. That they can either go, oh my word, I, I did not mean to do that. And then they could take a step forward and we could actually move back towards connection. Or they could choose to be in their power, to try and leverage their power over me, and, and it gives me really good information as well. I'm not going to disconnect from you, but I'm going to set up some boundaries here. I don't need to be in your presence for me to love you. I'll be here for when you're done doing that thing, I would absolutely love to reconnect with you. But in the meantime, I'm going to be over here, and, and you know, it's not a, I'm going to be over here and I'm going to be praying for you. It's called passive aggressiveness. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> I, I really hope that I'm meddling in some people's business right now. And, and I'm really giving you some good information. No, nobody? Okay. It's okay to laugh at my stupid jokes. So talking about that, really what we're talking about is conflict, Right? These types of things are, are very easy to do when we're not conflicting with someone. When somebody's thinking in much the same way as myself, it's very easy for me to connect with them. It's very easy for me to love on them. It's very easy for me to make sense of things because I'm not being hurt. I'm not being wounded. I can easily put words to, I'm very happy in your presence. I'm very excited in your presence. But it's those times to where when conflict comes in, when differences arise, Actually, if you look at much of life patterns, maybe even all of life patterns, but I won't quite go there, but if you look at much of life patterns in people's lives, whatever it might be, aggression, road rage, alcoholism, these patterns are determined based on how someone responds or reacts to conflict and differences in their life. When tension arises, that's when all of a sudden life patterns start coming up because we try to cope with things. We try to control things. I'm trying to take control over the situation, so I'm going to cut them off because they just cut me off. Sound familiar? It's going, I feel out of control, but we don't think that. That would be a powerful thing to think. I feel out of control, so instead I'm going to react and, and offer my aggression back to them because they just were aggressive to me. Whereas if I were to assume the best, it's going, oh, they probably didn't, they probably were checking the other blind spot and started, you know, whatever it might be. Does this make sense? 
So much of our life patterns have been built off of how we walk through and approach differences and conflicts. We often don't handle conflict well because we feel threatened, powerless, ignored, that's a big one, and rejected. I'm going to say that again. For anybody taking notes, I want you to write that down. We often don't handle conflict well because we feel threatened, powerless, ignored, or rejected. We often don't handle conflict well because we feel threatened, powerless, ignored, or rejected. Nine times out of ten, one of those four words will actually give you healthy information, good information to offer to the other person. You know, when you you did that, or in that circumstance, I really felt ignored. I didn't mean to ignore you. I wasn't trying to ignore you, right? It brings connection. Imagine if you guys went home and had this conversation with your parents, for anybody living at home with your parents. And the thing is, I'll just take a brief aside and say that typically when you start operating as a powerful person in a culture that hasn't known and doesn't know what it looks like to operate in a powerful position, often you'll get more feedback and more aggression. That's okay. Because you're building the culture around your life that's going to then start confronting people without you even having to have confrontation. It means anytime you come into my presence and you try and bring your prickliness into this area, this is how I'm going to respond as a powerful person. And you're either going to stop bringing your prickliness to me or you're just going to stop coming to me altogether. I'm not choosing disconnection. I really want to connect with you. But it may be healthy if you can't bring a powerful you into my presence that we just don't have this connection anymore. I'll be here for when you want to bring a powerful you to me. Does it make sense? So what healthy confrontation is not, right? We're talking about healthy confrontation. It is not punishing someone for their sins or failures. We can hear this, and and I promise you, promise you, promise you, someone in here is going to do this, and I want to try and catch it before it happens. Because we can hear this, and through our broken mind, we could start going, oh, yeah, I could be powerful around mom and dad. Nope. Nick told me I could be over here, and you can't come over here and talk to me, and I'll wait for you. I'll be here. I want to connect with you, but you got to change. (laughs) And we start commanding and controlling I don't have power over you. I have power over me. But we start trying to take our power and we try to put it in over them and we go, I'm going to be, I'm going to ignore your texts until you change. I'm going to ignore your, that's not a powerful person. So it's not, I'm punishing you. It's not that at all. The beautiful thing, I said it at the beginning, is this is a kingdom culture, what I'm describing to you. Christ God the Father, Holy Spirit has modeled this for us all throughout page 1 to page 1,082 (laughs) in my Bible. But this is the right Bible. (laughs) I told Alon she should have preached her offering message out of my Bible because it's super anointed, you know, and like I pour oil over it. No, I'm just kidding. It's like... Oils from my fingers. I feel like that's anointing oil enough. 
<laughs> That's right. Alan, you did an amazing job with your offering message. Yes. Perfect. So I'm not punishing someone for their sins, right? Again, it goes back to Jake's message about somebody else's sin against me, a powerful person, I'm not going to allow that to produce sin in me. So I don't need to punish you for your sins. In fact, Christ modeled this for us in an amazing, amazing way. John 3.17 says, God didn't go through all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it is. Your sin, and, and, and I'm going to blame you, and I'm going to control you, and I'm pointing a finger at all your sins. No, he came to help, to put the world right again. Put the world right again. We're going to talk about this here in a second. How many of you guys have heard of passive and aggressive? Right? Passive people, aggressive people. Passive-aggressive people is a mixture of the two. Somebody that tries to come in and, hey, I'm going to love you, but at the back side of this thing, I'm going to stick you with a knife. <laughs> and <laughs> that is aggressive. Passive-aggressive, see? It's the combination of the two. We're going to talk about it in a second. But I'm here as a powerful individual to help you. So if somebody sins against me, it's going... Sin is not a good thing. There's consequences to sin. But I'm going, I'm not going to hold your sin against you. I'm actually going to be a powerful person, be a free person, free people, free people. I'm going to actually help you take the sins and the, the, the wrongdoings here, and we're going to actually turn it to a benefit. Right? We're going to actually bring it and make things. That's what God does, right? Makes all things work and good for those who love me. We're going to take what, what you just sinned against me and we're actually going to use it here as a good information. I'm going to give you good information. We're going to build this relationship back up and build our connection, right? Rebuild that connection. It's what God did over and over and over again. So passive, aggressive. How many of you guys know grace and mercy? And justice, Right? There's a big thing, I, I remember reading a book, I think it was in uh, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, one of my all-time favorite books years ago, I was reading it, and, and one of the points that A.W. Tozer, it might have been in that book, it might have been in a different one, but one of the things he talks about is our ideals, or the way that we know God, the way that we understand God, or who we understand God to be, essentially will always seep through our pores in the way that we relate to other people. So my ideas of who God is and the way that he operates and interacts, even if I'm an atheist, will seep through my pores in the way that I respond and interact with others, right? So I'm going to try and help us take what, what some of us may think as, as ideals of God and give us a more healthy understanding so that way with this good information we could actually respond in a very, very healthy way. So God's justice there's a lot of people, and I, I help people to put words to this, and uh, it, it starts to make sense in people when we break it down in this way. Sometimes there's the, the person that, how many of you guys see somebody cut someone off on the highway, and your immediate thought goes to, oh, I wish there was a cop right there, and I wish I could see them get pulled over. <laughs> how many of you guys... On the other hand, 
sees someone who, who's getting pulled over and thinks, oh my word, they're, they're probably just, you know, it's a 14, you know, or not 14 year old kid, he shouldn't be driving. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a 19 year old kid, he was probably just messing around. I remember being in that place, you know, like, and, and you kind of gravitate more towards the, the grace and mercy side, right? Just, just let him off, man. Just give him a warning and send him on his way, right? Oftentimes, we, we tend to have a natural bent towards one of these. I have a high value for justice, or I have a high value for grace, mercy. And it's dependent on my understanding of who God is. But I want, to, I want to take a second to talk about this passive or aggressive and really link it to the understanding of these to where often when we're, when we're operating in a very aggressive way, it's because we have a high value for justice. I want to see you get <laughs> what you deserve. So we aggressively try and enforce onto other people. And then we have the, the grace and mercy side and it's going, oh, you know what? They, they probably didn't mean to do anything and, you know, assume the best, but there's also the extreme side of, or, well, I'm going to let them off the hook because I really, I don't like confrontation. Confrontation doesn't feel loving. And there are these, there's these two edges of extremes of, you need to get what you deserve and, you know what, let's just, let's just, let's just move past it. I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to think about it. Does that make sense? And we can have an understanding that this is what God's grace is. Oh, you know, God, God has thrown his, oh, he has thrown my sins as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't even want to, it's true. But at the same time, if, if, if we start to define something based off of a misunderstanding of what grace and mercy is, or if we try and define something as, oh, God's just in his justice, right? There's the wrath of God. If you look at Old Testament, he made sure that people paid for their transgressions. Oh, you better hope you're saved. <laughs> Does this make sense? We start to lean towards aggressive or passive. We start to lean towards, I don't want conflict or I want all the conflict. Let's do this because you're going to get what you deserve. But that's not what justice and what mercy and grace is. I would actually describe to you that, that if I have a coin right here, grace and mercy and justice are actually just two sides of the same coin. And you can't have mercy without justice, and you can't have justice without mercy. And God's justice isn't you get what you deserve. God's justice is you get restored back to who you were created to be in the first place. We have a, I was actually doing lunch with Jared Blaukamp today, and we were, we were really talking through this whole point, and he was talking about how, you know, our justice systems and in, in, in different, you know, you have the judicial system, and, and everything based around that is justice is the offender getting what they deserve, so that way the victim gets restored back to, to their, hopefully, their, their everyday life, right? They get restored back to... I was reading a quote earlier today, and I don't remember who said it, and it doesn't necessarily even matter, but uh, the guy was saying, uh, God's, or the world's justice is somebody comes up, 
and kills someone, so then the justice system makes them pay a penalty that is equal to the offense. Either they lose their life by being in jail for the rest of their life, prison for the rest of their life, they lose the quality of their life, or they lose their life through the, the death penalty. He said God's version of justice is a man kills another man and God brings that man back to life and then restores the relationship. Which sounds very similar to a story that I read in a book that's 1,082 pages long. (laughs) Where we, trying to take power over Christ, crucified him and God comes in and resurrects him brings him back to life and then everything in his power he does to try and bring the connection back and restore the relationship our God is a powerful person and it's not just power that he tries to lord over people it's power that he is okay no matter what's going on over here I don't need you to change in order for me to be okay. But if, if you'd be a powerful person and if you would value connection, oh my word, prodigal son, here I come running for you. It's all throughout scripture, guys. Justice isn't somebody getting what they deserve. Justice is order being restored to a, a, a kingdom that God put into motion in the first place. He's going, no, justice isn't me punishing you because of your transgressions. Justice is me raising you up and making you back to who you were created to be before the fall. So grace and justice are two sides of the same coin. I want to bring up two scriptures from the Old Testament because we can start to think, yeah, but the justice, God's the, the, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Justice, what I've read in the Old Testament, the Old Testament shows God being a just God by, by being a punisher. Well, I have two scriptures from Old Testament that, that prove this otherwise. Zechariah 7.9 says, This is what Lord Almighty says. Administer, is it up there? Wait, oh, well, that's a different, I'm reading out of the NIV, the real trans, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) NLT is fine. (laughs) Mine says, administer true justice. Say it with me, true justice. So what is true justice? Show mercy and compassion to one another. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Say gracious. Gracious. He rises to show you compassion. Say compassion. compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Looks to me like justice and and mercy and grace are two sides to the same coin. We jump forward to, to the New Testament. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all of our unrighteousness. So if justice is actually restoring in compassion and love, then, then grace and mercy 
is actually another expression of, of justice. Grace and mercy don't, don't allow us to continue on being unhealthy, unpowerful people. Grace and mercy actually empower us to step into a righteous life. They actually empower us, which restores us back to the original design of creation in the first place, which is what justice just did. So conflict, going back to the notes, we're going to wrap up here in a minute. I have four different characteristics of healthy confrontation. I don't want to just talk about confrontation, not give you guys some solid tools. But conflict is a natural process of life. Differing visions and expectations come in conflict. And the issue is most people either try and avoid these conflicts or dominate in the conversations to control the other's freedom of point of view. Powerful people don't need to take power over other people. I just need to maintain power over myself. And in doing so, we could actually pursue the goal of reconnection. So moving to a belief structure that confrontation and conflict is normal will help in preventing us from the fight-or-flight mentality of a relationship. Passive-aggressive. Fight, well, fight-aggressive. Flight-passive, right? It's finding that plumb line. Talked about it this week in a couple different conversations of if, if you naturally lean towards the passive side, there's only so long before something comes in and pokes you enough to where you go, this isn't working, and you try and pendulum swing over to the aggressive side. And then you're over at the aggressive side, and you're going, well, this isn't working. So you try and pendulum swing over to the passive side, and you go, I just, I'm just not going to confront anything anymore because it doesn't seem to be working. But it's not about that. It's about finding the plumb line finding what the line that Jesus Christ walked and what he demonstrated, what the culture of the kingdom is in relationship, in communication, connectedness, and understanding. So four key characteristics to healthy confrontation. Number one is love. A foundation of safety and trust must be built in order for anything beneficial to come from a conversation. Even if I'm trying to offer healthy information, powerful information, if I haven't first established a, a, a grounding of trust and safety, then no matter what I do, they're going to be looking at me through a lens of hurt and woundedness and a broken heart. But if I can actually cultivate that, that soil of trust, of comfort, of this is a safe place. Now when I offer my healthy information, you can offer yours and we can know that we're in a, a safe environment. Does that make sense? So love. I refuse to protect myself at your expense. I refuse to withhold myself and my feelings from this conversation. Shutting down and not sharing myself is not a healthy communication. It's not connection, and it's not understanding. I will be increasingly vulnerable to you by respecting your perceptions equally with my own. I'm not taking a true understanding unless what information you give to me, I'm actually taking a second to repeat it back to you, to make sure that I'm understanding, and to actually mull it over to know what it is that you're trying to communicate with me. 
and that I'm not having this conversation to benefit myself at your cost, but instead to help us grow towards the persons we were created to be in the first place. Restoration. Number two is understanding. All right? Set the foundation of love. We set the foundation of, of comfort, of, of, underst- or of uh, acceptance, and, and just a safe, trusting place. And then we go into understanding. If we both are going to operate in truth, then we must both understand where each other is in the current situation. I will invite, support, and protect your right to be heard and to hear. And when I listen to you, I want to hear you, hear deeply and hear openly. I want to attend to what you say, how it was said, what feelings is conveyed, and what is being said. Say this with me. Feelings are not in words. Intent is not in words. Intent. Hold on. <laughs> I lost in my notes. Okay. Say this with me. <laughs> I'm a powerful person. It's okay. Meanings are in people, not in words. That's better. Meanings, intent, are in people, not in words. So if we're going to actually take a standpoint of understanding, I need to also take a standpoint of my understanding of the words that you're using may not be the same understanding of the words that you're trying to use. So I'm going to take a second, I'm going to clarify and actually see what the meaning is behind it, not the meaning that I'm assigning to these words. That's not a safe place. That's not loving. Number three is power. Once again, some people may mishear this. Oh, perfect. This is where the power comes in. Now I can lord over them. No. I will remain powerful over myself and will refuse to try and control you. You will be powerful over you, and I will refuse to allow you to try and control me. Not by forcing you to not control me, but the moment that you start trying to control me, I'm going to step back and go, when you do that, I feel this way. When you do that, I feel misunderstood, and, and, and I don't feel like I'm safe right now because you're trying to control me. I refuse to try and manipulate the situation to protect, to comfort or regain power and control. Protect and comfort kind of sounds like a good thing sometimes when we're feeling scared. I'm in a conversation that I don't like. It kind of feels good to try and protect myself, to try and comfort myself. But that's actually me trying to protect me and disregarding you, which is actually working against our goal of connection here. And number four is truth. I want to present truth in a clear and simple way. Truth with loving brings healing. And I will not present, present partial honesty. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to give you a partial truth because it, it feels too uncomfortable to give you the full truth. I'm actually going to give you very good information because that's not honesty at all to sugarcoat things. So healthy confrontation and conflict should reestablish trust vulnerability, understanding, healthy expectations, and connection. And I'm going to finish with this. 
just a couple different scriptures. And just kind of, once again, wrap this up and focus on the Lord and say, this is what God models to us. This is what God has shown us. This is the culture of the kingdom, not just the culture of res life. This is the culture that we're establishing as new creations. This is the culture of what it looks like for Christ to be in me, the hope of glory. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 19 says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled, say reconciled, reconnected, reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. God's goal was reconnecting the lost connection. His goal for relationship with us was chasing us down and going, let's reconnect here. I'm going to honor connection. 2 Corinthians 5.20, or 21, we're going to come back to 5.20 here in a second. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Sounds a lot like understanding to me. God said, I, I value this relationship enough to take a standpoint of understanding. And because you're too broken to actually offer anything to me, I'm actually going to come down and lower myself to understand where you are. I want to understand what it feels like, what it is like to be you. So that way we can re-pursue this point of connection. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Say understanding. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. One who was understanding in everything we've walked through, yet was a powerful person. Yes, thank you, Austin. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That was a really good time to clap. It was, it, Austin was, was definitely following the Holy Spirit there. I'm, I'm being serious. That sounded sarcastic. That would not be a powerful person to me if I was sarcastic in this message. Disregard all the sarcasm at the beginning of the message. <laughs> Two more scriptures. Hebrews 4, 16, let us then approach the throne of grace. So we just got done reading that he came down to sympathize with our weakness. He was tempted in every way. He came down to understand, yet was without sin because he was a powerful person. It continues on, Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that way we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Reconnection. The entire book is about God being a powerful person reconnecting with us. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Going back into the middle of, of 2 Corinthians 5, we were just reading this. Absolutely love this verse. 
says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Say ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. As though God was being a powerful person through us. We are Christ's ambassadors. It means we are people who are supposed to look like Christ. And if Christ came to show us what a powerful person is, this is the invitation of letting this be the culture of our life. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. How are we supposed to lead people in reconnecting to God if we aren't first modeling it in our relationships with others of being able to reconnect in the day-to-day conversations and in the day-to-day relationships that we have. More people would be open to actually receiving what it is that you want to share with them about the gospel if you would just take time and pause talking about Jesus and actually talk about the person in front of you to get to know them to get to understand them, to reconnect to them. And at the end of that, then you have a foundation of trust. And they see you are someone who operates as a different type of person, an ambassador of Christ walking on this earth. And they're going to be that much more apt to hear what you have to share with them. So much more ministry would happen. So many more miracles, signs, and wonders would happen if we were to just simply lay our lives down and actually pursue reconnecting and understanding with others. Does this make sense? Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you. Jesus, we thank you. By the way, if you have kids in in child ministries, children's ministry, you can go and get your kids right now, but Jesus, we just thank you for, for modeling what it looks like to be a powerful person. Jesus, we thank you that you came down to understand us, to step into our place, to walk a tempted life, but a sinless life, because you were a powerful person. We thank you that you gave us that exchange on the cross. It's actually what you came to pay for. It's for us to be able to walk forward as powerful people. Being able to reconnect with God and Holy Spirit and you, Jesus, but also the people in front of us. So Father, we say, have your way. We started off by talking about unity. Psalms 133 and just how your anointing is on unity. And God, I just pray that we step forward, each and every one of us, as powerful people, building unity among the brethren, among the lost children, the orphans, and just pulling them with trust and love and connection into your family, into your kingdom. Also, I just, we can't talk about a... a, a message about connection and and reconnecting with the Lord without giving an opportunity. If you've never made that decision, maybe this is your first time to church, maybe you've been coming for a while and you've been testing the waters and just seeing what this whole thing is about. Christ came for you. He came to reconnect you with God the Father. And now is your time. Do not wait.
I'm not going to do a raising of the hands or anything like that, but I just want you to make that decision right now where you're at and say, Jesus Christ, I, I just receive what it is that you did on the cross. He came. He walked a sinless life. He was beaten and crucified and put up on the cross to take our sin and to offer us his righteousness, his sinlessness. He cleansed us and made us presentable. I don't care if you don't feel presentable. He came to make you presentable to where you can boldly approach the throne, to where you can boldly approach Papa. If that's you, I just want you to, at your seat, just say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, that is me. I give myself to you, and I just, I just open up for this reconnection. And before you leave tonight, connect with your table leader. Share with them. They want to celebrate with you. That's the greatest thing that can happen tonight, and we want to celebrate with you. So if you made that decision, connect with your table leader, connect with me, somebody, one of our leadership team, we want to celebrate with you. We want to get to know you. So Father, thank you. We love you. We praise you. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.